You're listening to a Shockcast original. Shock. Hi and welcome back to the Quarter Life Crisis, where we talk about all the shit that people in our twenties and thirties face. And again, I'm Daryl. I'm Saraya, and today we'll be talking about work culture and all the horrible things that we face at work, and also some of the good stuff a little bit here and there. Yeah, we're balanced like that. <laughs> <laughs> at least we try. <laughs> well, I think we wanted to kind of do a bit of a retrospective of our own careers <laughs> and look back. I mean, this podcast topic had me thinking about all the different jobs I've had. I've worked in a bookshop. I've been a coat check attendant. <laughs> <laughs> that was just to pay the bills in the US uh, when I was studying there and uh, I've been like one of those like management trainees where you rotate around the company mm. you kind of get like a bird's eye view mm. of everything and that was really insightful what a uh, massive jump yeah I know from coat check attendant <laughs> <laughs> from take, can I take your coat please to, to being like mm, yes alright uh, what what's the strategy for the next uh, year and a half but anyway so <laughs> it is a big jump um, and then of course that leads me to where I am right now mm. which uh, my full time job is a uh, radio announcer on light um, yeah so yeah it was a nice walk down memory lane alright so I think walking down my memory lane I think the first I, I don't know if you consider his job because like I think my dad mm. was a contractor for Astro so he, he he goes around installing satellite TV from house to house okay. so I think that was I don't know my first job where I used to follow him and do all get my hands dirty climb onto uh, a roof climb onto a roof <laughs> uh, learn how he fixes stuff wire stuff and then finally to get reception on your TV and whatnot. and then I think after uni I did a little bit of odd jobs just to travel so yeah I interned in a radio station so that's how I started off my my interest in media after that I wanted to travel so I worked as a call center agent oh, for, wow. for, for uh, I think a good 5-6 months I think so I was taking in calls and complaints for a telco company in Singapore but I was based here Right. Okay. And then I also was very briefly a mechanical engineering intern because <laughs> that's my major, which I didn't mm. quite like, and <laughs> which, is, which explains why I'm here. Yeah. And then I was also a manager in an FMCG company. And now I'm here. Next, you're going to tell me that you were like a sous chef for Gordon Ramsay or something, Oh, who right? knows? Who knows? <laughs> I didn't know that you had worked so many different jobs. Yeah, I mean, like, this was all not intentional. I think it's just, <laughs> just for me to, to get enough cash to actually get by. And I think one of the, the reasons why I think at this point uh, I've had so many different experiences because to be really honest, I think many of us could relate to it because I'm still not sure what exactly I want to really do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I want to have a future in media, but specifically what I'm not sure because I think it's a whole massive industry and I think I have yet to explore any of this. I think I won't get an idea roughly what media is like until I actually am there. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's quite a normal place to be in. Um, you know, having actually been working at the same company for oh my god, has it been seven years? Wait, six? Sorry, half you. It's been six years. It- your first job after graduation. Yeah, yeah. Because I was um, a management associate for two years. Mm. So that was the first two years working at Astro. Right. And then after that, I chose to go into radio. So I've spent four years there. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I'm not sure because I like some things. I like a lot of things about being on radio, on air. I love it. It's so immediate. You know, yeah. it, it really, it's so easy to make someone's day even just playing a request and a dedication that they've made to a loved one. And then they're so happy. Even something very simple like that gives me a lot of job satisfaction. So I can't say that I don't 
don't have job satisfaction. Yeah. But at the same time, where is radio going? What's next for me? And I am a bit shy as well, so I don't know how far I'm gonna go mm. as like a content creator. Like I could, I could never be like a YouTuber, you know, right. playing pranks and in public and stuff like that. Ah, props to them, but I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure where I'm gonna go. So don't worry, you're not alone. <laughs> you're not alone. <laughs> Right. I think uh, one of the biggest points of us having this episode, I think it's to talk about the work cultures that we have experienced so far. I think throughout all these small places that I've been working at up until now, I think there's so many different characters that I face. And I think one of my, my biggest, I wouldn't say rant, but my biggest concern is that I think because back when I was in university, I was in this organization called ISAC. ISAC is a youth organization where youths can generally uh, have activities and go for exchanges abroad, all in the name of leadership. So mm-hmm. how we can learn how to be better leaders in 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 the whole dream of making making the world a better place, lah, mm-hmm. right? As cheesy as me, as it may sound, <laughs> in a way I feel it has impacted me in a way in the way I look at how leadership should be at least in organizations. I know it might sound a bit weird coming from a guy who's had only like what two years plus of experience in the working field and also talking about how leadership should be, you know. But I think in a way it's really important too. Why? Is because back when in uni we've got so much exposure to to the corporate industry and and everyone's telling us, you know, how we should always train people to lead people and not be bosses per se, but mm-hmm. to teach people what's the best way for you to to get the best out of someone else, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've been training about that so hard. And when you get out of university, I expect every company, especially the bigger ones, to have the similar type of identity and similar type of HR, perhaps. And I ha- now, since graduation, have been into two big conglomerates already. Mm-hmm. And to be really honest, based on what we have learned in that organization and based on what we've been exposed to by these specific conglomerates, when you actually get into their working field, ah, uh, no. I've not quite experienced pr- proper leadership where I could, you know, be in a place where I I feel happy to be at and I feel happy to know that someone's always there to, to bring me to achieve whatever aspirations that I have, mm. you know. You, you I, haven't really felt like the places you've worked at have invested in your career development in a way and your, and your development in- me being one but also I do not see that that certain kind of practice what you preach kind of thing in, in, mm. in these places yet this sounds very loaded I feel like there's a lot more on your chest that you need to <laughs> <laughs> well there, there's, there's a few experiences care to share <laughs> well I've learned so much from these places and, and I think in a way we uh, millennials should actually learn to be in a way appreciative that sometimes that we get offered certain jobs at mm-hmm. certain places because whether you like it or not, how, how, how it, however good or bad that experience is, you always learn something from it. Yeah, right? I agree. Yeah. So in my previous company, they actually played a major role in my life when I was in Isaac because they were partners. Right. Okay. In a way. Right. So I joined a company fully believing in in what whatever they preached to to us back when we in university. So when I went there, everything was great. I was managing in this FMCG company for one of our local retailers here in Malaysia, and I was mainly doing sales. And I think one of their biggest things that that they actually told us that all they wanted within the company was transparency and also a sense of belonging in in that organization. And yeah, for the first few months, yes, I I felt in a way, yes, I had people who were always on my side. I I felt that uh, everything was very transparent. But in a way, I felt this was all sort of HR tell you to do, so you do. 
kind uh, of thing but it's not embedded in 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 everyone in a way you, right. you see what i mean so it it's was, like yeah it's just sort of like oh yeah this is what we're all about but it's it feels just sort of cosmetic it's in a way yeah really so cosmetic in the sense where you've got powerpoint slides you've got you've got all these small posters around the office that you know be transparent treat your people right yada 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 but then when you're actually in there it's very easy to see that how how companies are very money invested yes i i agree money is very important for all these companies but at the same time the things that that you preach in a way didn't feel very you know transparent to me at all mm. and part of the reason why i actually moved on it probably because of that too yeah mm. company is perfect after all and i think it's it's very difficult to be 100% satisfied with your job mm-hmm. I think I on the other hand have been generally very happy but of course there are a few things here and there that are obviously I wish were a little bit different mm-hmm. I'll just give you one example since you know we work at a radio station I love radio absolutely love the medium and I think our listeners love a very particular type of music as well Yeah, and I think we, we've got an amazing library I think there's so many so many great songs from the past um, that will take listeners on a nostalgic trip and I feel like we could play so much more of that but But we, you know, we have a format and I, uh, th- it took a long time for me to understand that our music has to sort of adhere to this format mm. that's been set out. Yeah. And y- you can't really stray from can't that. Can't really let loose in a way. Yeah, you can't let loose. So, you know, if I'm scrolling through our library and I'm like, oh, that's such a great song from Aretha Franklin, for example. Yeah. We can't play it because you you have to. At the end of the day, there is sort of a code, and you got to follow that and a guideline. Yeah, can't really just go wild or let loose, let loose, like you said. So you know, I I I've had so many conversations with like my boss about stuff like this, and it's just unfortunate that you know you wish that you you have this sort of idea or vision for what your workplace, your station, your medium looks and sounds like. But I suppose some calls are made at the top, and you know you can't do anything about. it and it can be frustrating but i suppose as time has gone by i've gotten more and more used to it so now when whenever i get like listeners or even my friends because i do have friends who listen to uh, to light they'll be like can you stop playing adele <laughs> how many times do you want to play that lost boy song ah huh? Do you know the one? Yeah. I'm a lost boy. I never, okay, I don't want to sing that. That's not Adele though. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Uh, yeah, so uh, uh, Adele right. is one offender and then the lost boy song is another one. Um, Get some from Michael Bolton too. Oh my God. <laughs> Michael Bolton and his ponytail need to go. But yeah, you know, so when I, every time I get complaints like that, I'm just like, you know what guys, it's just the format. So I understand why it's necessary but at the start, I would say it was incredibly frustrating for me because I, I yeah. know that this this era the era of music that we try to focus on is massive there's so many great songs from the 50s 60s 70s 80s that we can't play right and i think all of this actually so i i can relate why you feel like that because i think most of us who work at radio we are here purely because of passion and i think most of us who actually get to a certain point in radio is because of our love for radio and technically we were radio heads at at some point which is why we decided to actually join radio definitely, right definitely. and i think all of us come here with a certain objective and these objectives are usually to you know to make radio better for us to learn the trade and what not what not and i think which is why it gives us a certain drive to do our job to to a certain level of quality which we we perceive as you know acceptable right mm-hmm. but i think when it comes to that point we have so many people who are passionate about jobs and so many people who have their own perspective on what radio should and must be mm-hmm. right which is why i think it makes it sometimes a bit challenging 
to work in in this industry right yeah. and you, like you mentioned you know for example music choice music choice in a way is very subjective right one listener may like a certain artist one more listener may like a certain art- artist and we on the other hand we might think that a general blanket of listeners like a certain kind of music but it may be right it may be wrong mm-hmm. so i think in, in that sense it can be very very challenging to to work with a group of people but i think when it comes to 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 environments like this it's really important for us to have really good communication and and really good sense of understanding and in my opinion when you work in an environment where everyone is so invested in in their jobs the number one important thing is actually to listen to one another yeah and to really understand what the concerns are and how we actually can work together to make decisions even better but i think especially like i said coming from a massive company like ours sometimes we find it to be a really big challenge because there's a lot of hierarchy Sometimes there may be a lot of bureaucracy and sometimes there may be a lot of miscommunications. Yeah, definitely. And I think that so especially in a company that is so large, there are so many different priorities. Mm. Every department has their own focuses and how do you all get on the same page? Exactly. To work together towards a common objective. Yeah. yeah, we've definitely had moments where you know, we're having meetings with our managers and we're told different things each time. Yeah. Um and I'm not talking about just this company, but I mean like across the board. I guess all across the, the board most yeah. big companies like experience the same thing too yeah. I think um, and you, you just think well but you told me this yesterday and now I'm doing this today and tomorrow what is it and the next day ah. so it, there is there is a bit of confusion sometimes but I guess you know these gripes that we have uh, I guess it ties into my next thought are we complaining too much are we you know the the proverbial millennial yeah. who you know are we those snowflakes who just can't seem to take even the slightest <laughs> bit of a challenge or difficulty or adversity what do you think well I think <laughs> Yes, it is true. People like us complain too much. Which is something which I agree with the generation before us is because I think we are a bit more privileged. Back in the days, they always talk about you know, how they have to struggle, get whatever job they can, work extra hours just to earn that little bit of money so that they could feed us and I think now it's a bit more different. Like yes, we are a bit more privileged in the sense where our parents for example managed to establish themselves in a way where we could feel a bit more comfortable. And I don't think we should actually go back to how they were back back in the day to struggle that extra bit just to for example feed our family. We don't have to in a mm-hmm. way. So I think yes, we are a bit more privileged, which is why we complain a lot, which is why we want more out of our employers. And I think rightly so. I think bosses have this misconception of millennials you know we, they, they think hey millennials you shouldn't complain you know we in our generation we endured so much you should be able to just buckle down and basically get shit done right but I think we now realize that there is a fine line between okay yep getting shit done and also being taken advantage of mm-hmm. and I think companies employers shouldn't use that image of a whiny entitled weak millennial to justify overworking or even exploiting their employees right I mean yes we should be expected to pull our weight we should we, we absolutely should work hard we should yeah. not be complaining day in and day out for sure but that doesn't mean we should put up with unfair treatment yeah. if treatment is unfair yeah I think one thing that differs us from the generation before us is the, the desire for respect I guess I think in our generation I, I, I don't know if I can speak for all but for, for me and my circle of friends that I know I think why we desire respect so much I think is because uh, we grew in, a, in an environment where we thought that respect is two ways right I think because of that sort of trait we, we try to apply that at work too so uh, when we come to work we show our best and we sort of desire the same kind of 
respect meaning we want our our thoughts to be heard we want our ideas to be taken seriously and not just being pushed aside just because we're newbies and i think many of us us millennials especially you know how they always say we have to learn how to separate your personal life and your professional life mm-hmm. and i think most of us i think that doesn't apply because for most of us uh, especially those who are very new to the working environment our work is very personal to us Right. Mm, so, because we choose something that aligns with our passion. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I yeah. mean, passion is very important. And I agree some of us find it really difficult to to find a job that that sort of gives uh, us purpose, gives us drive, purpose yeah. and tries to match with, with our line of passion and whatnot. But I think most of us millennials there are just three things that that we always look for, at least for me, right? Number 1, pay us decently. Right, I think money is very important. So pay us decently for our skill set. Number two is uh, to respect work-life balance. Right, as much as we would like to devote ourselves to our career, as much as we freaking love our jobs, I think it's also very important to know that we also want a life. Yeah, you know, it's not that we are asking for a lot, but I think it's something basic which most companies should actually respect. Yeah. Right. And the third I think is we all desire for good leadership I think. I mean at least for us who actually really love love our job we want to learn to learn as much as possible and not be given sort of a same thing to do over and over and over again. We want to grow, we want to be we want to be yeah, we want to be challenged, we want to be in your spot at some day, right? Yeah. <laughs> and doesn't mean that we want to be in your spot we have to be exactly like you. All of us have different traits and I think a good leader in a way and a good company sort of um, uses our good trait to its best potential and to use it for the help of your your company and that's what we want in return too yeah i definitely want to go back to what you just touched on regarding leadership later on but i also just want to say that i think yeah it's important that you brought up the fact respect i think respect has definitely permeated a lot more workplaces i think so 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 in that sense i think millennials really are just byproducts of the times that we live in now yeah. you know it's not that we are necessarily more spineless and can't put up with heavy workloads it's just that because respect does color a lot of the way we interact in the workplace a lot of the uh, the workplace culture i'm i think it's it's um it's quite normal then to to put that emphasis on on just wanting to be treated with respect and, and not be exploited and treated uh, in a manner that we we don't want to be treated i think which is why it explains this whole blanket opinion that all millennials want the same thing which is <laughs> i mean it, it, it explains all of us grew up in a certain environment and all of us sort of want about more or less the same thing mm. right I, And it's not fair to say, it's definitely not fair to say that all millennials are weak. I mean, I'll just give you one example. I mean, my my friend was 30 years old. She was basically the main breadwinner for her family. She was paying for almost everything. She worked herself until she had a heart attack. So, you mm. know what? I mean, she was working like from first thing in the morning until the wee hours of the night right. without complaints. So, you know what? Anyone who thinks that all millennials are the same... Yeah, have to debunk that, you know. Yeah. Another thing like I I would like to add is like, you know, at least in my experience the past the past few companies that I've been, most of them I I realize in these companies the turnover rate is so high, mm. right? And every time they're trying to debunk why is our turnover rate so high? Why is everyone leaving every every two weeks, every once a month or you know, for for an organization which is big like what 100 odd people or maybe 150 odd people, why is there someone leaving every two weeks, you know? And usually these companies, bigger companies especially what I see is they try to sort of replicate what the smaller companies do, what the the startups do because it's so attractive. You see you see all the smaller uh, smaller companies, they 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 really pride themselves with their bean temp- bags. Yeah, bean bags. <laughs> their pool tables. Free food. Their dartboards and and yada yada. And and you see most of these bigger companies trying to replicate that. And 
I personally think yes it's all amazing it's great to work on bean bags and one but I don't think so that is a, a proper selling point for for mm, I interesting. think interesting yeah you know all of us we appreciate a very homely environment but at the same time I think it's it's just proper leadership that we're looking for yeah i mean there's no point um, being able to chill on a bean bag all day if mm. while you're sitting on that bean bag someone is yelling at you exactly. for doing stuff yeah. that they think that you're you did wrongly when you really were just doing your best yeah. no bean bag will make that feel better exactly <laughs> I mean, as comforting as. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you were just talking about leadership, and I think we should explore what we are looking for in a good leader. What mm. qualities of leadership that we admire? Well, I would like to take our ex-boss as an example, oh, right? Oh yeah, miss so him. I I really miss him though, because I think as chilled out as a boss as he is, I think he always had his priorities straight. Right. If you wanted something to be done, he tells you to do it. But he tells you in a way like you know, Daryl. I think we are lacking here, here, and here. How about we do this and that? So it sounds nice instead of the usual things that I get. Barking orders. Yeah, Daryl. To do list number one: get this done by this deadline. Daryl number two: get this done by this deadline. Which I would say yes, which is necessary, but I don't think so. The tone is right, you know, because like to reiterate, lah. Most of us, at least for me, my my professional career is very personal too. And if you speak to me right, and if there's an understanding of why I need to do a certain something, then it'll be easier for me to do it. And I think the relationship that I had with our particular boss has been super great because he, in a way, he has sort of capitalized on his uh, relationship between his team members. In a way, mm. I would say team members rather than. Subordinate, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. totally agree with you there. Yeah. yeah, because that's the way I felt when when he was here. Mm-hmm. I think a fair boss. It's it seems like it's the most. Normal thing in the world to mm. have a fair boss, but it it really isn't. As it's really rare. They're, they're not say. as common as you might think or you might hope. Mm. I think our former boss was fair. Uh, I never felt un- unfairly treated. Yeah. I've also heard horror stories of friends who are working in other media organizations where you know she'll have colleagues who are slacking off, mm-hmm. um, very blatantly and taking leave for like one whole month. You know, mm. doing what? But meanwhile, she's just like uh, she tries to apply for like you know three days off, and it's so difficult. Yeah. So that's one example. But I. Never, yeah, I've always felt that our former boss was fair. I felt most of my bosses have been fair. But something else I admired about our ex-boss was just that he, even when it came to really challenging situations, I remember that he had to break some really bad news to me. Mm. He took the time and the trouble to to try and lift my spirits as well. You know, he yeah. very he he encouraged me. He was like, "Yes, I know that this might be very discouraging to you. This might be demoralizing right. to you, but." Um, there are so many other things that you should be positive about, and then you know he listed them out. Really encouraged me, and that I think it's it's a boost to your morale when you're already feeling so low. I think he yeah. was he was really good at that, and I think he was good filter from sometimes really horrible upper management too. And I think it's very easy for for, for management to sort of pass down sort of bad vibes that they get from the above all the way down to, right, so to, to you, us. You feel like uh, it's being taken out on you. Something yeah, like. so uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's very easy to, to be a boss like that. So I get screamed at and it's easier for me to scream at you uh, that, that you're not doing something and right. And you're like, well, he, he, he or she is chasing me so yeah. I need to chase you. And It's a blame game, right? right? So I, And I think our previous boss was, uh, was amazing at, at doing that and he made us sort of feel really comfortable with our jobs and to the point where we always want to strive to make 
things better rather than put the blame on someone else instead. Mm, that's yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, and and you know, just a, a flashback. Uh, while we we're talking about this, reminded me of one of the things that I learned when I was in that youth organization back then. If you have something bad to pass on, because we always had really bad news, and we we are a non-profit organization, so there's no money involved. Mm. Everyone is there purely because of passion, and and there was a lot of times where you could find people slacking uh, because you know there's too much time and effort and yada yada yada. Meanwhile, you're not getting financial remuneration. Yeah, so in, in a way, it's very hard to retain the people in the organization. But I think one thing which I learned and I think could apply, especially to any leaders out there. I think it is. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but it's the sandwich method of communication. Have you Ooh, heard of it? Vaguely, remind me. Yeah, so a sandwich method of communication is sort of a way for you to present bad news to someone. Without making them feeling bad. Ah, so you kind of like have the little bread yeah. that's your opener, which is a soft one. Yeah. Because <laughs> who wants a rock hard burger yeah. bun? Sorry, yeah. sandwich bread, whatever. <laughs> burger bun. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've got burgers on the mind. I haven't had one in a, in a few weeks, I think. <laughs> Right. Food aside, back to the topic at hand. Let me give you an example of a sandwich method mm-hmm. of communication. So, okay. imagine you sort of messed up one of your talk sets on on air. Imagine it happens all the time. All right. So, <laughs> so, and I'm your manager. I get screamed at because you did that mess up, and I want to go to you. I want to tell you to improve. But at the same time, I don't want to make you feel bad so that it doesn't screw up the rest of the day. The first method is giving you good news. Mm-hmm. Right. So Raya, your show has been amazing from this morning. We had some amazing engagements. Callers has been off the hook. But at the same time, today, probably you shouldn't have, have said this particular word at this time because it's probably not appropriate and some people might feel offended. So right now, we're at the patty. And then we go to the bottom bun, right? So now this is probably a wrap-up. But um, although there's this mess up, maybe in the future, you could do things like this, like this, like this to make it sound better. And probably then you could probably have even better engagements and sort of, you know, in a way, make our relationship with the upper management even better. Mm-hmm. So it makes you feel nice. Yeah. Right? Also, just because it's like you just had a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. So you got a sandwich, right? That's one. And the other one is it's just probably a rock, right? So imagine. <laughs> Throw we, it at you. Yeah. So like, <laughs> Soraya, you screwed up big time. You did this, you did that. I am going to report you to the bigger bosses because you are the one who is responsible for that and not me. That sounds like multiple rocks, not just one rock. Yeah. So you see two, the two oh, different scenarios? Definitely. And I, I've always told myself that if I were ever to be you know, in a management position, that I, I would definitely be more of a sandwich person. Exactly, right? So I <laughs> not just because I love sandwiches. <laughs> food. All right, food oh on gosh, the brain. A sandwich would be good right now. <laughs> Well, okay, I, I agree with everything you said, but I also have one more point to make about a leadership quality that I that I think just occurred to me. I think I really appreciate a boss who also really acknowledges that he or she can have a very diverse people reporting to him or her. Yeah. Um, and that everyone has different strengths and mm. it's about really leveraging on the different on strengths, strengths of different people instead of expecting everyone to sort of follow the exact same path and to, to, to have this exact same style of working. A boss who's able to acknowledge and bring out these uh, differences for a positive purpose mm-hmm. I think is very worthy of admiration. I had a boss like that because I, when I became a management trainee, I was partnered with uh, another fellow management trainee and we were chalk and cheese night and day. If I'm a sandwich, he's sushi, you know? <laughs> Just to carry on with the food. Because he was incredibly, don't get me wrong, he's very, very ambitious, but sometimes very abrasive Mm. in the way he went about doing things. There was zero tact, zero attempts at just sort of tempering the blow of what he said sometimes. And it was just like, I'm getting ahead and you are going to be eating my dust. 
you know it was mm. that was him all the time and I think um, we had a boss who really saw that we were different and he knew how to deal with us in different ways yeah. knew how to encourage us in different ways and really bring out his insanely ambitious drive and also my emphasis on more like soft skills maybe communication yeah, and, yeah so I think I really really respected that boss I wonder where he went hmm <laughs> you know where the guy went your, your partner yeah he's doing his own thing now I mean we are friends now we, we've put all that behind right. us we actually became friends like we really relied on each other through some of the tough times we were partnered through other programs so you know we had some really dark times involving a house that smelled like cat pee wow but, uh, that's, that's amazing that's a story for another day <laughs> Uh, okay, so I think we've rambled on a lot about our career mm. and our thoughts about career development and millennials and leadership qualities. What are we talking about next time? Uh, okay, the next episode we'll be talking about something which most of us Malaysians still find it very common in our in our beautiful country, despite <laughs> the decades of having uh, so many races in our country. I think oh, man. we'll be talking about racism next time around. Yeah, that's it's a topic that is so, 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 so very loaded and uh, everyone can relate. Well, I think I have personally experienced racism so many times, actually. Yeah. And I think most of you guys can, can relate out there too. So stay tuned. This has been the Quarter Life Crisis. Till next time. Bye-bye.